Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. The NHL draft is upon us. It's less than a week away. Uh, June 28th will be the first round of the draft. Of course, it'll also be the BSH draft party at Xfinity Social Live, whatever the hell it's called. Sports right. and Social. There it is. Sports Please and don't Social. At, at, at the live hotel casino thing. Let Stephanie it, talk about the fucking party. I was just trying to get to it, and I was like, might as well mention it right off the top. And then I remembered, I don't know the details. I just show up. So, like, anyway, it's that's when the draft is, next Wednesday. Today is Thursday. We're recording this new BSH, so fuck it. The fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. I would like to point out one detail about the draft party that's very important to me, personally. And that is that none of these three motherfuckers are going to be there, which means that all of my emotional support extroverts are gone. And I have to go to B tier, which means I'm sorry, Steve Jaco, I will be attached to you at this party. Um, but yeah, these uh, we got two people going to Nashville. Bill's going to the shore. And I will be the lone representative of Broad Street Hockey Radio at the draft party. Really pulled my weight here. Please be nice to me. <laughs> I had no idea that Kelly was the only one going from the four of us. We got we have we have Steve. I'm sure Quigs will be there, right? No Quigs. No, just Steve. (laughs) Well, Bill, you're you're not living up to the terms of your contract. I don't think I have. I don't think I have a contract. (laughs) If you can't find me, I'm fairly hiding in a corner. I'm 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 envisioned. Did did any of you watch the show Mad Men? anyone yes. Yes. no so like yes. there's there's one scene i believe it's at the end of the second season when they uh they think that they like the new guy duck phillips thinks he's going to be able to fire don draper and he's just like well you can either do what we want you to do or you can you can you know adhere to the length of your contract and he's like i don't have a contract and then <laughs> duck phillips is like well shit i am screwed <laughs> I am an at-will employee. <laughs> I do this. I do this out of the goodness of my heart, and for the big bags of money that Steph pays me. Um, <laughs> from the athletic, the doc- big bags yeah. of pennies. Yeah. Hey, they're bags, though. Uh, from the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, gang. So things are getting exciting. Um, and honestly, like as much as I love the off season, and I do. I do love not having to like run myself into the absolute ground. There's something really fun about this time of year when even though there is a lot of people who pretend that they don't actually still care about the Flyers, you find out just how much they still do care about the Flyers. And there is a lot of interest around the team right now, and that's kind of cool. And I think they're going to do a lot of stuff, and that's also kind of cool. 
Charlie, you look refreshed, bud. You you, you look like you don't want to commit a murder. I'm uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for you. It might have only been a couple of day vacation, but I think it did you some good. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm really happy. You need a little recharge to be ready for the mm-hmm. sprint because this is going to be a sprint. You know, we, we obviously have the next week of speculation leading up to the draft. The Flyers are probably going to make a couple more trades. Then we got development camp. Then we got uh, free agency day. So, like, until maybe, you know, like a few days after 4th of July, it's going to be busy and I'm going to be working a lot. But you know what? It's fun because I do, even though I sometimes complain about the Flyers and this job and some particularly annoying Flyers fans, I do love this job. This is a lot of fun. I love talking hockey with you guys. I love writing about the Flyers hockey team and all the things that they do or do not do. So the next few weeks are going to be fun. I really hope you you uh, you get an opportunity to really sink your teeth into these free agent signings that the Flyers are going to be making. You know, all the guys that they're going to be bringing in. Uh, <laughs> it's a joke. I don't I don't expect any free agent signings. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, Steph D, Steph Driver. So I will not be at the draft party really? that is next Wednesday, June 28th at Sports and Social in- Inside Live Casino, which is right down there near the... The Citizens Bank Park. Right across, right across from Citizens Bank Park. Um, get there at 6 o'clock. It starts at 6. The draft itself starts at 7. Uh, we're going to have Gritty. We're going to have alumni. Todd Fedora. If, if you've ever wanted to get a drink with Bob Kelly, come and get a drink with Bob Kelly. The Hound. I've I have hung out with Joe Watson as well, um, who I believe is also going to be there. Also, a fantastic mm-hmm. guy, like legitimately. Those great, two great are dude. like the like the real like of the people party animal alumni. Like those are the guys that are always just hanging out with everybody. So I'm, those are the so guys still getting it and can't like because some of uh, you know Bernie uh, Bernie Perrant, great guy. Had a ton of fun in his day and is still a man of the people and you see him literally everywhere, but also in recovery. Um, there's still some guys that can get it going, though. So you might have you might have that opportunity. With, Gonna get I'm, fucking ripped with Todd Fedoric. Let's go. Oh, is you got to do some shots with Todd Fedoric. Oh, wait, Todd Fedoric is beer. in recovery, too, isn't Oh, he? is he? Gonna have a, a oh, wholesome God. good oh. time with Todd well, Fedoric. I mean, good good if for Todd. If you want to split <laughs> a soft pretzel with Todd Fedoric, we will have soft pretzels. Snacks. We'll have snacks available to you. We're partnering with Clear Rum again. If you were at Ooh. our tailgate, Clear Rum was there that time as well. They're going to create a special cocktail Ooh. for us. It's our seventh annual draft party, and the Flyers have the seventh overall pick. So we're going to have a drink with rum and the number seven, and it won't be seven up because I don't think seven up exists anymore. Have any of you seen? Are you sure? Yes, I see it in my parents' house all the time. They buy seven up. What is this starry situation that I'm seeing? New seven up? I'm sorry, what? Starry, yeah. I'm S-T-A-R-R-Y. It's a new lemon-lime soft drink. I don't have room in my it's, life for a new soda. I can't. Neither do I. I'm very confused by the whole thing. I thought it was a replacement for 7-Up, but I digress. Our draft party this year, 7th Annual, is going to be so fun. We're starting with some trivia run by Kelly, run by Steve. 
where you're going to win signed items from the flyers. You're going to win giveaways. Come early. You're going to want to stay. And then stay through the rest of the draft, the rest of the first round, because the flyers are picking again. It's a win-win. It makes sense. This is going to be our best one yet. Make sure you're there. I think with this being our seventh annual and coming full circle now, you know, going back to 2017 with our first one where they picked twice. You know? Could be, Lucky number seven, baby. Could yeah. be just as fun as 17. Now, it didn't really work out. Yeah, that, that one didn't work great. At the it, time. It, it was good scary. at the time. It, yeah, it was, a, it was a great fucking it night. It was truly. It was an event. No. Screw truly. Clear. Um, yeah. Speaking. There we <laughs> go. Speaking. And we're, 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 we're going to get into, like, actual, actual stuff in a minute. I just. We didn't do this off the air, so I'll just do it now. Do we still have that thing going with Clear Rum? We sure for do. The, for, for the, the BSH. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the month of June, for PA residents, you can put in a uh, promo code and get a percentage off your order. I don't have any of the details beyond that. Use but promo it's only code, PA residents. I do know that. Use promo code BSH2023. You get 10% off of your order at clearrum.com. And they are sharing a portion of the proceeds with BroadStreetHockey.com. So you get to have a delicious Bev at a discount and you get to support the website. So win win for everybody. Those things are everywhere. Clear has like blown up since since they first started uh, like sponsoring the post games when they were just like, here's a here's two bottles. Talk about us. I was like, all right. Yeah, done. No problem. Like now they're like the official sponsor is different teams. They're yeah. in like every bar, their beverages. So they've it's really neat. blown up. Uh, Flyer, right. A bunch so of Flyers fans too. So we I, uh, I want to get into, I guess the most important topic right off the bat. Burnt orange is back, baby. It's the new era of orange, except of course, for when they wear their alternate jerseys, <laughs> which have not, which have not changed. And it's the old orange still absolutely freaking hilarious that the 90s 2000s black jerseys are the coolest ones they ever made and they didn't even try no but they're bad they're bad so bad don't bring them back they suck your face is bad i, I, I think my face is quite attractive actually i you are you're nice <laughs> i'm sorry oh shit look i i, I thought we were I okay first noted- of all charles you you think they're worse than the current blacks? No, no. But there I do think I do think they are hilariously overrated, and I've always made this point no. because the Flyers are an orange hockey team. The idea and to have black. a jersey where all the only orange on the jersey is just a little trim, like it's just like if you have an obnoxious color, lean into the obnoxious t- color. Don't hide the obnoxious color. I always hated that. I also always hated those jerseys because when I was a kid during that time period, because I didn't grow up in a wealthy family, we had crappy televisions. And whenever they wore those jerseys on my crappy television, it looked like I was watching black and white hockey because there was no fucking color. I think they're fine as an alternate. I did not like, like in what, 0708 when they went black as... Like a primary jersey. Yeah, black was the home jersey. That was that was silly. Uh, but I like it as an alternate. I, I just find it very funny that it's a new era of orange. Burnt orange is back most of the time. Like I, so, I just so I have a theory I, I find on it that, funny. Though. I have a theory on that, and this is it's purely a financial theory. 
I Adidas think, is leaving? No. I think the reason why that they did not roll out a new third jersey, they're just rolling with the old third jersey for this year, is because the way they're looking at it is this time we'll be able to sell the new home and away jerseys. That's where we're going to get our money because everybody's going to want to buy the new jerseys, whatever. That's what we're going to promote. Then they're going to have the stadium series game. Okay, they're going to have that game in North Jersey. That's when they're going to roll out a new version of the old black alternate. And then next season, as in not this season, but the following season, they're going to turn that jersey into the new third. And then they're going to have an entire run where they could promote that one and be like, hey, look at this new New Jersey you can buy. <laughs> because if they, would, if they would release three New Jerseys at the same time, then the third one would have got lost in the shuffle. You got to give that its own shelf life. That's what I think their thought process is. I just think it's very funny that the orange is different. It is funny. It's in very one funny. jersey from the other two. I would agree. We're not totally killing the, the, the bright, you yes. know, neon orange. You still We're putting everything bit. behind us except this jersey because, like, <laughs> what, are you going to buy a Cutter Gauthier jersey a year or two early? Nah. When he's up and then we have the seventh pick, then we're going to have another jersey, and you're definitely going to want one then. Like, it's just funny. Uh, anyway, speaking of putting things behind us, mm. I got to tell you, watching the – well, really, just reading all the quotes – uh, everything from the Patrick Sharp and uh, John LeClaire press availabilities. I cannot listen to anyone talk about the word culture anymore. I just simply cannot. <laughs> it, is, it is just becoming this, this, this buzzword for this team where I want to liken it to like when a team succeeds or fails in the playoffs and no one can really explain it because like you can't talk about luck. Oh no, no, no. No, we can't say the word luck. And like Rod Brendamore after, you know, he gets swept, doesn't want to just be like, "What the fuck you want from me? We got goalied." So he just tries to come up with something else. Like, "Hot goalie and luck." That's what it comes down to. And since you don't want to just say that because you need to fill time on TV, you talk about heart and grit and who wants it more and all these unquantifiable things. That are like the intangibles, yeah. baby. Well, your goalie had a 940 save percentage for a month, so you went on a run that you probably shouldn't have. Like, that's that's what it came down to. And that's what this culture thing is looking like to me. And I'm very much still, I'm not pessimistic about the direction or anything. But what I liked about the beginning of this regime was I finally see, thought that they had a plan, finally thought that they got it, that they understood what was wrong. And the more I hear about culture, the more I'm thinking, ooh, they're just they're just saying stuff. They're just saying what they think we want to hear. Yeah. And that's like that's I, I'm sick of it. I, I'm sick of the word. That was kind of the most disappointing thing for me, only because we wanted so badly to get away from everything that they've been doing for the last thirty years, and. It seemed like we were all kind of willing to say, like, okay, sure, they hired old flyers again, but it's, like, different old flyers, and they're <laughs> younger old flyers, and maybe it's going to be different. It's not a big deal. But now we have all of the, the new old flyers saying the same kind of shit that the old, old flyers were saying. And obviously, none of these words matter at all it if they do good things. And so far, the one bit of evidence that we have about Danny Briere's general manager is good. So we still got that. Um, but it's going to be a big week for him. 
I think I think our entire opinion of how this is going to go is going to be formed in the next seven to so ten days. I just so I, oh, I, ahead, I do want to jump in here because I think there's a distinction that should be made, particularly with the the comments that John Leclerc made this week, which I think got Twitter kind of on a little bit of an uproar. I think that there's two elements to this. One is harmless, and one is actually concerning, and I think people are kind of conflating the two. Like, if if John Leclerc wants to be like hey, we're trying to bring back the Flyers culture in the sense that, like, we want that building to be rocking, and we want our fans to be engaged, and we want everyone to feel like this is a big family and, like, we're all connected. And by we, I mean the players, the alumni, the front office people, the fans, everybody's families and shit. Like, that's good. And that is something that they should be striving for because that was an absolute good about the way the Flyers used to be. And that's what honestly is part of the reason why people care so much about the Flyers, why why we care so much about the Flyers. We've talked about this, about, you know, the fact that you guys still absolutely love this team, even though you hate this team. So like all of that, that's something to strive for. The idea of bringing back the old ways of building the team is bad. And, and that's, a lot a lot of that is going to kind of fall on Danny Briere to not do that. And there's an element with that family side where, like, okay, I have my concerns about the fact they just seem to be hiring a bunch of people they know because are they actually hiring the right people and whatever. That said, I do think that there is, and I've always said this, I do think that there is value, not just in terms of, like, making us all feel good with vibes, but also in terms of actually being able to help with like getting free agents and getting guys to want to come here to have this feeling of like, Hey, if you're a flyer, you're a flyer forever. So you want to be on this team because look at how well they take care of their former players. Like that's actually important. And that actually does have value when you're trying to convince like a top tier free agent to come sign here. Like, Hey, you want to be here because you'll be a fucking hero and everybody will love you and you'll be here until you're, until you're 70. That's important, and I think that's valuable. That said, you don't want it to go too far in the sense of you're trying to reconstitute the Broad Street Bullies and you're, like, they need, I think this is where Danny Briere and Keith Jones are going to be pivotal because they need those guys to basically find a way to take the good parts of it without any of the parts that are just outdated and don't work anymore. Whether they can do it or not, we'll see, but it's on them. That's you did a good job when you reported that quote. You were the only one I saw, and I commended you for this on Twitter, Charlie. Like, there's that your first part of the quote that everyone had, and it's the thing everyone was in the uproar about about culture. And then you, you know, made it a thread, and then there's the context of like everything else Leclerc said. It's like, oh, well, this is a little less concerning now that what he's talking about getting the building, the, the, the feeling in the building, whether it's amongst the front office or the fans as well, like, that's that's different. Uh, I, I just, I am seeing a little bit of that revisionist, and we've gone through this a bunch of times. You know, everything was good until 2016 and Ed Snyder died, and that's when things went downhill. And it's like, well, no. No, that's not No. True. <laughs> yeah, like that's not things true. have been trending down for a while and they've had an unlimited budget forever and it's finally they've strung themselves out against the cap anymore. Their competitive advantage doesn't matter and they're in the shitter like it, it's been going like this for for almost like 30 years. Uh, but 
I, I just don't want it to be, oh, well, we're just going to get it back to the way it was under Ed Snyder because that was all well and good. Like, it, yes, making this a family atmosphere and everything, it's important. That said, who were these premier free agents in the 90s and 2000s the Flyers brought in? Don't exist. That's who were, like, who were these? Yeah, like, we were in on everybody and we spent yeah. a shit ton of money, but not on, like, the best guys. Like, Ronick, okay, that was a good one, uh, but not prime Ronick. You know? I was going to say, is you, it was like, usually big-named guys at the end yeah. of their careers. Yeah. Briere? That, yeah. Was, that was the running joke. Fair. Hatcher I mean, for, and That was Hatcher the running joke for, at the time. Forsberg. Yeah, yeah and he was, was saying, Hatcher and Forsberg are, like, the premier, and especially Forsberg. But that's, like, coming out of a lockout, we were the only team with any fucking money. Of course yeah. we got guys. We just bought out everyone on the team, and now <laughs> everyone else is broke because there was no season. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't want it to, I don't want there to be this revisionist history that the culture was everything. That's why we were so good. And it's like, well, if we were so good, they they, they would have gone to more than two cups in my lifetime and be two and eight in those, well, two, I, in those I, series. I, I would have won one. I do think the revisionist history, too, and this is something that, like, I understand why it happens because we like we want to retcon things and like change the cause and effect. But I think there's a feeling, particularly among the old school players, that like we had this great culture and that's why we won all the time and we're constantly competitive. When in reality, I think it may have kind of been more the reverse where we won all the time and then therefore we had this great that's culture because everyone was happy because we were winning all the time. That's the other thing. Like, okay, John Tortorella comes in and creates this culture. We're picking seventh. Winning creates culture. <laughs> There's no... Because what are you replicating if you're not... Okay, we're going to go out and play the same way we did last year. Well, we're picking seventh, so we're a bottom 10 team. <laughs> you know? There's two expansion teams that are blowing us away right now. It ain't close, in fact. Like, I just... The only way to create a sustainable, good culture is to win first. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's it. Yep. That's the culture. The culture is winning. Winning. That's it. All right. Any, anything else on this? I just had to. I, no. It's driving well, me nuts. Well, I, I mean, I put it's it. It's driving me freaking nuts. I put it in the outline, so I might as well just say it. Because, you know, your whole thing was like, I'm so yes, sick of, of reading about culture. Like, you know, that the, the former players say like, well, you know, we all got higher because of the culture. And I put in the outline, you know, perhaps, yes. and this is just me being very cynical, perhaps all the references to culture are them just using it as a catch-all excuse so they can hire their friends. Mm -hmm. Charlie, we did this last week, I think when you weren't here. Does Patrick Sharp count as a former flyer? I would say yes, but like <sighs> not to Technically. a. I think he does count because he was drafted by the team and he was in the organization for quite a while. He got he, he became whole... friends with a lot of people there. Okay, uh, just like he played, I think sixty six NHL games here, and our entire relationship as Flyers fans to Patrick Sharp is wish he had been a Flyer. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, it's I because he wasn't. Like, I, Patrick Sharp, yeah. Blackhawk. That's how he will forever yeah. be remembered. I think he's less a former flyer than a Keith Jones, Keith Jones, pal. A Keith Jones yeah. buddy from the broadcast booth. Yes. That, that is 100% true. I just wanted to get that because you weren't here. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, trade rumors. 
All right, you know what? We should we should do the ad break, right? Yeah, let's do the ad break. Uh, yeah. We gotta get back. All right, we 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 gotta get used to it. We're with uh we're we're with the Believe Network now, and ads are back. So stay tuned for this uh advertisement for a product and or service, and we'll talk about trade rumors on the other side. All right, fam, we are back, and Travis Konechny might not be. Uh, <laughs> now we've. <laughs> We've heard all along, you know, they're going to listen on everybody and Travis Konechny. When, when you only have, like, three good players, that means there's only so many guys anyone's actually going to want. If you want future assets, you're going to have to trade a guy like Travis Konechny, perhaps, and it's no surprise, because he's really good. A bunch of teams want him. What do you think the actual return for TK could be? It's got to be a first, right? I would think a first it's has to be more. A first has to be the centerpiece. But yeah, to yeah. me, I didn't to mean me, just. if you're going to trade Travis Konechny, and to be clear, I am very much, and I've been of this belief probably since like January or February, that they should trade Travis Konechny. This is the time to trade him. But if you're going to trade Travis Konechny, you need to get back a haul for him. Like, I don't think they should trade Travis Konechny just to trade him. I think they should trade him because this is the perfect time to sell high. However, if you're not actually getting the sell-high package, you don't have to trade him. You can wait. He's under contract for two more seasons. Like, you don't have to move him now. So you could basically be like, hey, we're listening, but, like, hey, a first-round pick is, like, that's, like, the cost of getting in the conversation. Then we see what else you're willing to give in addition. That's the cover charge. Exactly. That's, like, to get in the door, you're offering a first-rounder. Then what else This is the buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Him having two more years left is because nobody wants to take on term, right? Right. But he's a really good player, and if he produces yeah. at yeah. the level he did last season, like you're getting him at a discounted cap hit exactly for I, two years. I think that's what matters more. Like, yeah, the teams that are slammed up against the cap, period, aren't going to be able to afford Travis Connecting. But, like, there are teams that are good teams that are going to go out in free agency and pay Dmitry Orlov $6 million a year. Like, they have cap space. There are teams that are trying to contend that have cap space that can certainly fit a $5.5 million cap hit for a player that's probably worth, like, seven. Like, he's and he, he provides surplus value. He's a good contract. And the free agent class is weak as hell yes. this summer. So, yes. Breer has, like... He's dealing from a position of strength, which is something the Flyers haven't been able to do in, like, uh, forever. Um, So he, you know, I think you said this in your article, Charlie, like, after July 1st, once the good, like, the few actually good players are signed, then teams that are good, that are looking to add one or two pieces to get them over the hump next season, are going to be looking at the Flyers like, hey... They got some guys. Yeah. Maybe we can get some of these guys. Um, the only thing that stinks about that is that it would be nice to be able to move one of these guys before Wednesday and end up with another pick in this particular draft. But If I had to guess, like, they, the, the Flyers are very, very high on this draft. Like, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but I spoke with Brent Flair and Danny Briere this morning, along with the other beat writers and Voorhees. They think the first two rounds of this draft are real, real good. And 
I think if they are going to trade one of Travis Konechny or Scott Lawton, who I think are the, the two pieces they have with the most, like, they're, they're the most valuable pieces with the fewest question marks around them, where, like, teams will want them and teams will give up high picks for them. They just will. Like, if one or both of those guys get moved, it's going to happen before or at the draft. Because I think the Flyers view this draft as so much better than the average draft, particularly in the first two rounds, that, like, that's when they're going to be the most motivated to move them. Because they think they can get a top six forward in the early second round, which isn't usually the case in most drafts. Like, they think the second round is filled with guys who will be top half of the lineup guys. Like, they... They really like this draft, and if you're going to trade Scott Lawton for a late first-round pick, you might as well trade him for a late first-round pick in the draft you think is real freaking good. Which, uh, mm, I don't want to, like, jump ahead too much. No, do it. But um, this rumor from Sarah Volley that Briere was offered a late first-round pick from the Blues for Lawton... Do we, is that, is that like a real thing? Because so, I feel like maybe might should have Where do you think that? that came from? I mean. Just, given the Ryan time. Ryan is Sarah Vol, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but, <laughs> given yeah. the time, okay. right. given the, the time, time he covered the team yeah. and who the general manager currently is. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> a fair point. All right. You're right. He probably right. has and a like, good in with Danny. There's yeah. some sort of connection. Set I'm in just, the market. But All right. if, if, <laughs> if, and that's great. Yes, Fucking way good. to go, Danny. Uh, but if you're offered number 25 overall for Scott Lawton and Scott Lawton can play for my team any day, love him. If they put the C on him, cool. If he's here his whole career, cool. If you're offered 25 overall for Scott Lawton, see ya, bro. Yeah, thank you for your service. You take that. I I think you have to. It's been great having you here, Lots, but I'll drive you to the airport. So what I will say about Lawton is that, and I put this in my article from this morning, him and TK kind of in the same boat here where I don't think the Flyers really like are Want itching to. to trade either of them. I think they'll yeah. do it. But I think they look they, they they look at Lawton and they see a guy who they think, while he's probably not going to be a part of the next great Flyers team, that he can play a really important role in helping to mold the next great Flyers team by the impact that his presence can have on players, on the young players are trying to develop, on young players they might not even have yet. So they're very much looking at this in terms of like in terms of talking to other teams about Lawton, where they're like, "Hey, you want this guy? You gotta blow us away. Like you're gonna have to overpay to get Scott Lawton because that's how much we like this guy." And you know what? Like maybe he's right. Like you know, if if let's assume this is true for a second. Let's assume that on you know June twenty first, a week before the draft, he's already getting offers that include the twenty fifth overall pick. I don't blame him for being like, you know what? If that's what I'm getting now, imagine what I'm going to be getting on draft day. Fair point. And to Kelly's point earlier about a weak free agent class, a guy like Scott Lawton in this type of free agent class is going to get over-fucking-paid. He's got three years at three mil left. You, that's, that's half of what you'd have to give him. Like... If he was on the market. I think he'd at least get in the high fours. Four to five, I was thinking. Not actually half. But I'm just saying, but like more than three years and way more than four. Like, and he's at three and three. So 
it, it kind of behooves the Flyers in this situation, much like the Konechny thing. Like, Konechny in the open market this year would get eight just because that's the way it would go. Mm. Maybe he's worth seven, but he'd get the goddamn eight so you didn't have to give him seven years or something, you yeah, know? Fair. Like, it's the, the weak free agent class, I think, comes into comes into play, especially with these two guys, because to get them, you'd have to spend so much more. It might be worth surrendering assets rather than a long-term cap. Like, yeah. I don't want to say albatross because they're, no, sure. they're both good players, but it's a, really good a long-term cap commitment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if you're looking at it and you're saying, hey, our window's open right now, I'd rather have Travis Konechny at two years, 5.5 for those two years, rather than have a guy at 5.5 for seven years, who I know in the final two, three years of the deal is not going to be very good. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Did you um, see, um, wasn't, was there also a rumor about, um, who is it, San Jose at four, thinking about trading down? For some uh, some reason, I I would be real? blown away if it anyone, seems dumb, right? I, look, let me put it this way: top ten picks are so rarely traded that, yeah. like, I very much take and I'll believe and this it when year, I see it. Yeah, like maybe, but it's maybe just to relate it to the Flyers, like maybe because you know four to ten, everyone thinks they're all really good. I think San it was Jose. because they, they were thinking of getting a defenseman, so they were kind of... Like, for example, like, I would probably trade 7 and 22 for 4, right? Like, you would definitely do that. Well, I mean, in a vacuum... Yeah? Well, in a vacuum, yes. If I thought I was going to get Mitchkoff at 7 anyway, then okay, no. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um... But but I, I just it just seems like if you're picking in the top four this particular draft, like you're guaranteed, like a well, I guess not guaranteed because nothing's ever a guarantee. Yeah, Alexander sure. Dig went number one overall. Dang I mean, old. like it could, yeah, it could it, <laughs> it it could be you know like the guy that changes the organization at four. I don't know. I I'm I do kind of think that it would be extremely unlikely for anyone to trade down in this draft just because. Of exactly what I just said, that F four you're going to get an absolute monster of a player. So. Yeah, it's a stacked draft. I just I talked myself in and out of uh, seven things just then. So there's something. There's something to be said. I like, think like of, all in the same sentence too. It was impressive. But I think there's something to be said, and this is I think a big reason why top ten picks never get traded, why they never get traded. Period, or even get like traded down from like seven to twelve or something. And I think I, I actually think it was Brent Flair. It might have been Fletcher and Flair who said this in one of their availabilities. And it stuck with me because it makes a lot of sense. And basically what it is is like, look, we employ a lot of scouts and a lot of people in the organization that, like, this is their time to shine. And there's an element of, like, I'm going to have to deal with a friggin' mutiny if I give them the opportunity to have a fifth overall pick and then I just am like, now nah, I'm about to pull the rug out, from, rug out from under you. Like, that matters in organizations. It does. That's two years of work. Yeah. Like that's two that like at least two years of work that you're oh. like thanks. I'm thanks. sorry. Did you have a tough time getting sent to Sweden on the company dime to stay in hotels and watch hockey games? I'm sorry you did all that work. It's still difficult. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm also saying I I have no sympathy. It's still work, Kelly. Zero sympathy. None. Oh, your fifis. Nope. Oh my god. You guys are relentless. 
it, the, uh, you know, uh, I know we heard a lot of insiders telling us that a Carter Hart trade was imminent. Imminent. It was pending. They were hashing it out. Could happen. Uh, irons in the fire. Yeah, it could happen. It, it might happen right oh now. Uh, but I feel like I haven't heard Carter Hart's name in a couple weeks. It's definitely stalled out. And I think that speaks to how all of that post Proverov talk that, like, oh my God, Cart's getting traded today. They're going to do it because they just got Cal Peterson. Like, got a goalie, Charles. Yeah, that was Cal all bullshit. Pe- like, Cal Peterson is terrible. Like,. All no, bullshit. he's a replacement for Carter Hart, everyone. <laughs> I, I think so. I think what happened there, because the people I talked to, and I talked to a lot of people that day, close to the situation on all different avenues. Like, I'm not going to obviously reveal my sources, but like, it was, it was, it was a lot of combos because I was like, oh my God, are, me, they, are they actually going to trade Carter Hart and do this, like, you know, the new version of the Carter Richards trades where they trade Pro Rob and Hart in the same day and completely blow everything up in one shot. And everybody I talked to was like, no. Like, like, look, he's he's out there, but there's nothing coming like today. Don't worry. There's nothing imminent. And I what I think happened was there was in the week leading up to the Pro Rob deal, there became so to kind of give you a little bit of inside baseball on how this works, there are the people that actually know things, like really, really know things. The people that are doing the things, like the people in front offices, the, the assistant general managers, the general managers, the agents of players who are about to get traded, like, you know, the best friends of players who are about to get traded, things like that. Like, those are the people who, like, really freaking know, the players themselves. Like, th- there are people that know the shit. Then there's a lot of people that I would call in the industry who, like, they know people who know people. And honestly, a lot of them are real good sources. They're not necessarily people who I would, like, I hear something from them and I report it immediately, but they give you info that then you can dig in on because, like, oh, you usually give me good stuff and give me the idea where the the way the winds are blowing. I'm going to use that and then try to get it confirmed by somebody who I can actually cite in an article. Well, those people, the industry people in the week leading up to the Proveroff deal, they there kind of grew an industry consensus that Hart was on his way out. And it just sort of was kind of being discussed that like, oh yeah, the Flyers are going to trade Hart. Like that's 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 happening. And I think what happened was when the Proveroff deal happened, a lot of people in the industry were like, well, there's the first domino, Hart's going next because we've been talking about this together for the past week that this is going to happen, so now it's definitely going to happen, when in reality, it was never close at all. Just uh, because this actually, I had a caller on WIP a, a, a week ago, maybe, who called up and asked about Carter Hart, the potential of being traded, and the shadow of the Hockey Canada investigation. Yeah, that's real. And that, 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 I, I that's feel real. like we haven't... I feel like we haven't got an update on that in a while. It, it was supposed it, to happen this summer, but I have a yeah. feeling it's just simply never going to come out because hockey. most likely. But like, if it's if there is some sort of oh, it is going to come out this summer, like, and not Carter Hart specifically, but anyone involved in who played for that team, like, is anyone, especially if you're looking for a giant return for fucking Carter Hart, because yeah. that's what we want, a franchise-altering yeah. return, is another team going to surrender that with just no, no idea what could possibly yeah. come of this? Yeah, it's I think, a big risk. Bill, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there, because it's not, 
and I tried to I tried to articulate this in the article today. I don't think it fully came off the way I wanted it to, but it's not that teams aren't willing to trade for Carter Hart because of the hockey academy thing. It's not that like a lot of teams just removed them from their removed him from their list because they're scared that he was involved. Because I don't think many people really know one way or the other. I think it's all been kept pretty hush hush, and he might have been involved, might not have been. We really don't know. But I do think that teams are looking at this as okay. That's a risk factor. We don't know, so it's a risk factor. Whether Number one, whether he was involved. Number two, if he was involved in some way, whether there's going to be some sort of discipline, whether it's legal or whether it's NHL discipline. Like, that's a risk factor, which cuts down not on them making an offer, period, but it maybe cuts down on just how much they're willing to offer. And looking at it from the Flyers' perspective, the Flyers are willing to listen on Carter Hart, but they're not itching to trade him. He's kind of in the same bucket as Konechny and Lawton, where it's like, hey, if you want him, blow us away. The hockey Canada thing makes it less likely that a team is going to blow them away because it, it's, it's a risk element that cuts down on the, the, the level of offer that they're willing to make, which means that it's less likely that some team is going to hit that blow-me-away threshold that I think Briere is holding for Carter Hart right now. So essentially, it's not that teams care whether Carter Hart was involved or not. They care oh, no. whether there's going if he's going to be, be available, discussion. if yes. he's going to be able to right. play. 100%. Right? Yes, that's all. That's they care what about. Charlie was very politely trying to not say. The teams don't give no. a shit about what they don't give a may shit. or may not yeah, have yeah. happened. They just want to know whether he's going to be available. No. Right? No, like this is not. This is not business a business maybe. where people make decisions based on morality. Okay, they just don't. Uh huh. Mm-mm. Um. Mm-mm. When is this Kevin Hayes thing gonna happen? I, what in the world? I, like I he have, can't. He can't come to, back. I have to believe. I don't he's think he traded. does. I have to believe he's gonna get traded. He cannot come back. The coach doesn't want him. No. It does <laughs> kind of seem like the openly. whole last bridge has been openly down from both sides. <laughs> That's they're both like open. Like the coach, like he said, like yeah, we don't get along. Like yeah. there's. He's not going to be on this team next year. I don't think... I think they know that it can't. Like, Is a can't. buyout a possibility? Well, so I heard a rumor about the buyout thing that basically, like, Hayes kind of went to them and was like, look, like, if you really don't want me, could you just buy me out? And they basically said, no, we want to get something back for you. So, which is, I mean, like he is good. Like this yeah. old narrative that he's not good is insane. We talked insane. about it before. Yeah, he's a good. But player. like he's a really good player still. He was he's never good. a one C contract. Yeah, and he does have. He's got a twelve team no trade list. Yeah. So, I, I, there I are think, some. I think one thing that did complicate the situation was the fact that, like, and. In, to be totally honest and totally transparent, I never heard this, but enough people that have more sources than me heard this that I have to believe it was probably true that, like, Columbus was real heavy in on Hayes at the trade deadline, and the thought process was, we'll just pick that trade up in the offseason. Well, now, Columbus has traded for Ivan Provorov, signed Damon Severson, and hired Mike Babcock, and it's like, okay, do we even really want Kevin Hayes anymore? If he didn't get along... If he didn't get along with John, John Tortorella, how the hell is he going to get along with Mike Babcock? And and he on won't. The, and by the same token, <laughs> he Kevin Hayes is probably thinking, if I didn't get along with John Tortorella, how the hell am I going to get along with Mike Babcock? And as That's, you said, he's got the no trade he's, list. He's he's got to be sitting there looking at it like, ah, oh, fuck, man. Johnny's there. Eric Robinson is there. 
but do I want to live in Columbus with Mike Babcock? <laughs> this is a tough one. It's a tough one. This is a really tough one. <laughs> I I think with Hayes, I think he does get moved. I think it drags out maybe because the Flyers are trying to find that sweet spot where because they know that they know they're going to have to retain money. Okay, they know. Oh yeah, but. They would prefer not to have to retain the max 50% to just get rid of him. So I think they're trying to find that and sweet spot. And they shouldn't spot. have to. Yeah. They're trying to find the sweet spot where it's like, how do we get something of value back for you while not retain while retaining as little as we have to to get something of value back for you? And I think one thing that probably will ultimately help the Flyers in this is, as Kelly pointed out, free agency market is pretty weak. So if July 3rd rolls around and a team that wanted to get a center is unable to get a center, whether it be over, you know, in free agency or via trade, they might swing back around and be like, all right, you know what? Kevin Hayes at $4 million for the next three years. We can do that. Here's a fourth round pick. All right, get it done. And for, for the, you know, quote unquote, poor teams, uh, which don't actually exist, but their owners have convinced enough people that they exist. Uh, Kevin Hayes. Yes. He's got a 7.142, uh, cap hit over the next three seasons, but his total salary is six and a half, five two five, five two five. So you're saving a little money, like total cash versus cap hit, S- could be attractive to a also, team like Arizona. He's good. He's a good yeah. player. Like he scored yeah. many points last season for a shitty Flyers team that he hated playing for. Like it's not like there's no value there. You, you would think that you could be able to get something for him. Is there? Yes. He does. He's not a bad player. No, like he's this not. isn't dumping like a shitty, you know, nothing contract. Like this is a, a useful hockey player that will help your team plausibly be better. So, you know, somebody take him. Yeah. Well, is, he's is not anyway. He's not a seven. Yet. He's not a $7.14 million a year player, but he's also not a $1 million a year player. Right. Yes. It's not a total um, albatross. It's is like a, there a smaller fish? I really like the way you, you phrased this, Charlie, because it's how I wanted to ask it. Can you envision a scenario at this point where, where Tony D'Angelo is back? Oh, more, more so than Hayes, I will say. But... I do, I have gotten the sense based on conversations I've had the last week that, and I didn't necessarily believe this until recently, I get the sense the Flyers very much would like to move on from Tony D'Angelo. That like, in, that, that they're, they, they would like to find a new home for him. I do think that they could find a way to figure it out and maybe just try to move him at the trade deadline when they hopefully, he's, they hope he's rehabilitated his value a bit. But like, I don't think, like, I think with Konechny, with Hart, with Lawton, they are like, you got to dazzle us. We don't necessarily want to move these guys. You got to blow us away. With D'Angelo, it's like, hey, if you want him, he's there. Take my wife, please. <laughs> uh, like, I know we, we made a joke about people saying, oh, my God, well, who's going to play P- Provorov's minutes? And it's like, well, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Um, Your mom. Yeah. That's what it's you. Congratulations. Congratulations, it's you, yeah. Like, um, but when you look at this blue line, and, like, yeah, Provorov gone, D'Angelo probably gone. 
who is going to play? Well, I mean, you're t- what you're looking at your top four being probably at this point. Sanheim, it's, Risto. It's Sanheim, Risto, York, and Walker. Probably. Hell yeah. I mean that that's a that's a tanking blue fuck line. Who is Sean Walker? They Where got him in the Provorov deal. He oh, he's in the, the Provorov. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that guy. Taiwan Walker. I thought he was pitching tomorrow. Yeah, he's he's um, figured it out. He's pitching better. Yeah, he's doing better. It's just very funny looking at, like, oh, they're going to revamp. Not revamp, because they they don't have any of the proper replacements yet. But there's a, there's a possibility they get out from under a lot of contracts and just play, rostered players that don't belong. Like, there's a really good chance that they could fix at least the subtractions yeah. most yeah. of the subtractions yeah. they need to fix just this offseason mm-hmm. which i didn't know if that was going to be possible to make that many moves one thing that i would and i kind of wonder if the flyers have this in the back of their head especially if they move on from d'angelo in an ideal world and i'm not saying i want to you know get somebody on the defense because they need to win games because who gives a shit but in an ideal world i would like to get an actual competent partner for Cam York so that like he isn't dragged down and he doesn't, it doesn't hurt his development. So what I kind of wonder if they might do is if they can find someone like find a player that a team is trying to clear cap space is trying to get rid of because he's overpaid, but Eric is still good and they can plug him in next to Cam York for a couple years and be like, Hey, you're a $4 million a year defenseman who's getting paid seven, but we don't care. We we have the cap space. And if you can be like the decent veteran next to Cam for a couple of years, that would be awesome. You're an overpaid defenseman, and baby, that's our specialty. There we go. <laughs> You'll fit right in. <laughs> and, and if, Meet and if Travis can, and Risto. It, yeah, like if you can get someone to give you a second-round pick to take a defenseman who could actually help Cam York's development, like that would be ideal. It would be uh, good, I think, to have him not suck. Yeah, or just not, like, get pissed off. It's generally better to not suck. Yeah. Analysis. I, I would agree. Roster as many players who don't suck as possible, which uh, should Danny be Breer, the goal. are you listening? Good yeah. plan. Should be the goal. Um, you know, the, the previous two general managers, as they simple as it sounds, <laughs> as simple as it sounds... Did not subscribe to this theory <laughs> of rostering as they few players who suck as possible. Yeah, so it's it's not as simple as it sounds, I guess. Um, the draft is Wednesday because fuck you, ESPN. I because guess. reasons. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Wednesday. 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 Uh, anyway, uh, are we? Is everyone on? The Mishkov train. Like, if he's there, you take him. Is, if he's uh, there, you gotta right. So, Got so to. I've been, I've been I'm on board. I, I've been on board taking Mitchkoff for. This has been Charlie's forever. thing since like Christmas. Yeah, like get Mitchkoff. But I will tell you this: at this press conference today, talking to Briere and Flair, coming out of that press conference was the first time, really the first time, period, where I was like, "Holy shit, they might actually take this guy." Ooh, like I Is think it- th- I I think they might do it. They Ooh. they spoke uh, they spoke today as if they are strongly considering taking this dude. Like there I was just a it. lot a now, lot of things they said that were just like, yo, like 
if you're not if you're not strongly considering taking this guy, you're throwing up one hell of a smokescreen. I just when I hear that, and I it has nothing to do with the Flyers at this point. I wonder if everything is bullshit and he's just gonna go third. Yeah. I mean he could. Maybe, maybe. Or second. Yeah, that like, like yeah, that like freaking. It's Anaheim's all bullshit. This has all this been yeah. this is all just been oh no, he's gonna go to eight. Ev- no one everyone's afraid to take him. Like, and it's all bullshit and he goes two or three. Like I I, I can see that happening so fast. And the Flyers know it. And so they're like, yeah, of course we fucking take him. Yeah. Because he's going third. Yeah. And we're picking seventh. <laughs> like, it's possible. Yeah, if he falls, we're taking yeah, him. Yeah, we'll take him. He, he's there. No, but, like, there were so yeah. many things in, in this presser that were, just, like, number one, one of the first questions I think Russ Cohen asked were basically, like, are you going to speak with Mitch Kopp? Because Mitch Kopp didn't go to the combine, but he's expected to be in Nashville for the draft, which is the first time most of the executives are going to have the t- chance to actually talk to the dude. Well, that was asked, and Briere was just like, yeah, we're going to talk to him. And then later, Flair was like, we're going to spend time with him and his family. And that threw up a big, like, whoa. Because let me put it this way. The days leading up to the draft for these guys, for Briere and Flair and everything, like, they're constant. Like, you're working 20 hours a day. Like, you'd have no break whatsoever. And if they're going to set aside time to meet not just him, but his, his, like, mom and his relatives, like... I mean, that strikes me as, like, why would you waste the time unless you were really, really seriously considering this thing? I mean, it would make sense. If you you felt as if you had a plan to draft him after what you just went through with Fedotov and all of the geopolitical potential fallout of him coming over whenever he comes over, um, I'd want to sit down with his family and be like, y'all just want to move here now? We got a place (laughs) for you. You looking for a job? You want to just like, like stay? We, like, we, we got we got plenty of jobs if you want a job. Like we're giving them to everyone. Yeah, of course, every, you're, anybody you're, that you're, wants a job. Can get your a mother job. can absolutely work here. You know, like the, you know, you joke about this. I'm not joking. I absolutely think that the Flyers would just send them to Voorhees and be like, "Don't worry, you don't have to leave. We'll figure just, it oh, out." We got a place for you. Come on. Come no, on. but but we're owned by we're Comcast. Just... We're more powerful than the government. There were just so many things in this presser. So there was that. There was that little aside for Flair that was like, whoa, okay. Then there was the fact that both Briere and Flair, like, when asked, you know, so how are you viewing, like, proximity to the NHL versus, you know, like, going for more long-term prospects? They both are like, yeah, we're looking for the players who will be the best three to four years from now. Guess how well, long it's going to take for Mitch Koff to come over? About three to four it. years. Like, that is just, like, a big fucking red siren of, like, Mitchkoff, Mitchkoff, Mitchkoff. Like, Briere flat out says, I'm not worried about next year or the year after. Like, whoa. Okay. Me neither. Like, <laughs> right. And, and then you've got, you've got Bob McKenzie, who's like Bob freaking McKenzie, basically saying, like, yeah, I think the Flyers might do it. And then you have Corey Promen writing in his article, like, within the NHL, people seem to think the most likely alley is seven to nine. The Flyers are seven. Like, I don't know. I came out of that press conference being like, if they're not if they're not strongly considering uh, taking Mitchkoff, they are purposely trying to convince everyone they're going to take Mitchkoff. The reason I need this to happen, like I need <laughs> them to have the opportunity to draft him and to do it, is because it it will signal something. Like Charlie's been yelling for I feel like the past three years that the Flyers need to take big 
honking swings. Big honking swings. At the draft. And given all of the uncertainty with Mitchkoff, and there is a chance that you draft this kid and he just never fucking comes because he doesn't feel like it, because he's not allowed, because he doesn't like you, because he wants to play with Ovi. Like, there could be a million He had too much to drink and just can't. Exactly. But it's an ejaculation joke. If he's there at seven and the Flyers take him, that's the front office saying, you know what? We're going to fucking go for it and see what happens. And that's kind of like the attitude that I want to see from them. And so it would be a real fun opportunity to just have like a very definitive sign that the new direction that they're going is like, we're going to take a big fucking chance on a real high end prospect that might fuck us over rather than taking a big defenseman that shoots right and will probably be okay like that's what i need from the flyers god but then imagine imagine like when slash if it doesn't work out like i i don't know if i could take another one of those i don't know if i can here's the thing I was at my cardiologist today. I should have asked her. Like, I don't know if I could take physically another one of those big swings and misses. Here's the thing with, like, from Briere's perspective, and the Flyers are a little different because, you know, you're a flyer for life, blah, blah, blah. But if he doesn't come over and, like, it's a big failure, Briere's gone by then anyway. You know, like yeah, he these jobs, these, okay. these jobs don't, they don't last forever. So you, you kind of, like... I don't know. I don't. I want this dude because everyone says like he's awesome. Uh, he should go in the top two or three. I don't know if I want to wait. Well, you're gonna have. <laughs> but that to. said, I had to so, wait for everyone else. Yeah, I had to wait for all these fucking guys. We were told that like I had to wait an extra year on all of them anyway. I mean, the argument I made months ago about Mitchkov, and I still hold to it, is that one thing that would really excite me about taking him beyond the fact that it would be a big swing, beyond the fact that I think he actually has like best player on a Stanley Cup contender type potential, which they fucking need. It's the fact that it very clearly sets a projected end date for the end of the rebuild. Because what that says is like, okay, we got three years to figure this thing out, to build a good team that is like playoff capable, and then in year four we get Mitchkoff and then we're fucking going. Like, that to me, it just, it makes it so neat and tidy where you're like, okay, now we know what we're shooting for because we're going to assume, we have to assume that Mitchkoff will be here in year four, that he will come over. If he doesn't, well, we're fucked, but whatever, we're fucked anyway. We need a superstar. We don't have one. But it gives you a real clear timeline for the rebuild where it's like, all right, by year two, we should be here. By year three, we maybe don't have to make the playoffs, but we should be at least in the mix. We should have a good handle on, like, who's good and who's bad and whether John Zuccarello can be the coach for this team or whether we have to kick him upstairs and let him be a senior advisor because the whole team fucking hates him. Like, <laughs> it, it gives you an idea of, like, where you need to be when Mitchkoff gets here. And to me, like, like, it makes it clear that, yes, we are rebuilding because we know that we're not going to turn really, really turn the corner until year four. But it also gives everyone hope that we might really, really turn the corner in year four. Is it, if he doesn't come over for, let's say, those three years, and then year four, 
Is he still on an ELC that first? Yes, because yes, he's not signed yet. So you have a 22, 23, 24-year-old guy yes. who's been playing in the pros yes. since he was a kid Yep. on an it's, ELC. It's yep. so good. Yep. That really does fit the timeline of my thought on how yep. they're going to have to spend, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that, oh, man. I want to see this happen so bad. I, I think, so to like, me, and I put this in my article, the one thing, like, all right, let's 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 assume for a second here that the Flyers are very high on Mitchkov, that they are open to the idea of, of drafting him. The one thing that could throw a wrench in this, and this is, this is real, like, this is not just idle speculation, this is real, is that there are some people in the industry who have some character concerns about Mitchkov, that they kind of think he's like an arrogant little shit. And, Ooh. and I think that, like, let's assume that, that Briere and Flair were being 100% honest, is. that, like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to talk to him, we're excited to talk to him, and then we're going to make our decision. I, I think the Flyers, and they've always been like this, and I don't necessarily even think they're wrong, but they've always been a team that very much places a premium on character. When, especially in terms of their drafts. And if they interview Mitchkoff, even if they're sold on him as like, yo, this dude's going to be fucking awesome on the ice, if they come out of the interview thinking, this kid's a dick, I don't think they would take him. They took Nolan Patrick. Fair. Noted dickhead. <laughs> Noted dickhead. Yeah, but Nolan Patrick, was liked, Nolan Patrick was liked in the locker room. That's because he's not Russian. If Nolan Patrick was rushing with that shitty attitude, no one would have liked him. That's character it's is important. NHL. Also, we took Richardson Carter in the same first round. <laughs> I mean, fair. But they well, weren't their characters. Character on Mike Richards. How dare you? Their dare characters you. were not. They didn't have. They were just immature they didn't have, kids. No, yes, that that's their character concerns were not the type of character concerns that hockey people worry about. Yeah. Like, no. No, drinking a lot and fucking girls at the beach. Like, they were doing hockey guy things. They were fucking Riley and Jonesy. They were just fun. They were, they were really just <laughs> Riley and Jonesy. <laughs> they really were. Um, outside of, outside of Mitchkov, who should we realistically think they're going to take? Like, the defenseman, Reinbacher, I just feel like no. that's, that's going to be their guy. Snooze it's not fest. who I'm not saying it's who I want. It's who I think they're going to take. My most, like, well, we just traded Provorov. My most trusted draft nerds on Twitter.com want us to take Benson, so I've decided that's who I'm going to want to take because I don't know anything. So Benson, Benson is the preferred pick of the, the nerds, of the stat nerds. Yes. Um, I I would be totally fine with Benson. I like the pick. I think stylistically it makes sense given the fact that he's a great playmaker and they have all these shooters. That'd be cool. I actually think I've come around on my preferred non-Mitchkov pick being Ryan Leonard. I really like him. Okay. And I think... I heard part, some good things about him too. I, I like him. I like the fact that like... I think one of the reasons too is that if the Flyers... It's very clear to me that the Flyers, even in this new era of Orange and all this other shit, like, they're still going to want, like, vestiges of the old, like, physical tough Flyers shit. And I would much rather them draft a guy rather, like, who pays that than pay a guy or, you know, spend a first-round pick to trade for Rastis versus the line. And, like, like, 
draft the next Matthew Kachuk rather than like overpay for three guys who actually suck but just hit and are physical. And I will say, while it's most important to be good, as long as the Stanley Cup playoffs yes. are officiated the way they are, absolutely. sometimes you need to fuck somebody up to no, win. You do. You and do. that's just the way it is. Yeah. Like, in, unless they start totally changing the way they call the games, yeah, y- you need that guy. You need a couple of them guys. I'm going to kidnap and hold Wes McCauley for ransom until the <laughs> NHL vows to call the actual penalties in the they playoffs. Won't. They, they do not Apparently. want that. No, because they, they, they want the playoffs. They love this shit. They love this yes. shit. Yeah. They're not going to change. I, no, I don't, okay, we can't. I'm not going to relitigate the fucking officiating in the playoffs, but it's bad. It was it's bad. very it was bad. bad. And but everyone they talking like it. about it is bad for your sport. No eh. one should be talking about the fucking refs. I, I would say, for me personally, if it's not Mitchkoff, I am Leonard Benson are my top two. They're like my ideals. I actually I like Reinbacher more than I think some of the nerds do. I think he could be real good. Like I don't think he I don't I don't see a dynamic element to him, but I think he could be a real good top pair defenseman. And That's like my problem with him is it's a very boring pick. It's a boring pick. It is a boring pick. I don't pick, want any more of them. But I think he could be real good. Um, you just then would need to take the big swing like next year when hopefully you're bad again and you get another top five pick. I I would be. I know scouts really like Dalibor Dvorsky. I really don't see it. Like, I, I think he'll be good, but I, like, it's much easier for me to watch Reinbacher and envision him being a, a good first pair defenseman than it is for me to watch Dvorsky and envision him being a good first line center. Like, he strikes me as like, yeah, like, he's 2C all the way. And I'd rather not get a 2C with a seventh overall pick. Yeah. But scouts love him. Scouts think he has that Ooh. gear, and hey, maybe they're right. Who is the fastest guy? Oliver Moore. That's who I want. So Oliver, yeah. <laughs> Oliver Moore, I, I like Oliver Moore, but I don't like Oliver Moore at seven. If Oliver Moore, my ideal scenario for Oliver Moore would be like, let's say he slips to like the late teens and the Flyers trade up from 22 to get him. I would be all in for that. There is a lot. Like I did just see something that was like, Everyone expects the Flyers to have one more first round pick. Yeah, Friedman like, said that. A lot of people. It it sounds a lot, and you know, again, well, I mean, we can talk is, about. But the thing is, the bullshit on Twitter all day. Yeah, but that that assumption is based on the idea that one of Lawton or Konechny is going to be traded. Like that, exactly, that's, yeah, because that's how you do it. That's how you get that extra first. And maybe they will. So if that scenario were to unfold, maybe you don't have to trade up. Maybe you get him at 12 or something, whatever. But I just I just want some fucking speed, man. I cannot nice. watch this team plod around the way they do and th- watch the playoffs and go, oh, yeah, this is something that we can fix. Like, no, it ain't. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> no, we, we, we can fix it without 20 different guys. Like, if we have 20 totally different dudes, maybe. <laughs> but uh, all right. Do we, uh, we got anything else tonight? I don't think so. Driver, drop the details about the party one more time. Yeah. I was about to. The draft party is Wednesday, June 28th. It starts at 6 p.m. Get there at 6 p.m. It is at Sports and Social inside Live Casino down by the stadiums right across from Citizens Bank Park. You absolutely want to be there. Come hang out with Gritty. Come and have some bevs and good conversation with a variety of dudes. 
um, including <laughs> that's my hope, our, everyone. A variety of dudes. A variety of dudes. A variety. Get some really good bevs from Clear. Did you know that rum is Bill Matz's favorite alcoholic beverage? I actually True. didn't know that. Yeah. Rum, rum for our dude. Right. So get some clear rum for yourself and toast to Bill Matz, who will be having clear rum on the porch in Sea Isle. Sea Isle, yes. There I'm it is. Still, I'm, I'm like 80% not coming. I'm refusing. I'm not and grab you a bed. Drive to Philly you know, from the shore. On you, you are know on that vacation. you know my theory on percentages. There's no 50, such thing 50. as anything but yeah. 50-50. Yeah. No. And also, like, it's it's a Wednesday night. There's going to be no traffic. Yeah. Like, negative traffic. Let Bill Matz be on It's vacation. a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Fucking NHL, man. Uh, and make sure you get them, uh, make sure you get them clear rum drinks. Make sure you show up at the draft party on Wednesday. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button and make sure you check out the new BroadStreetHockey.com as well. Subscribe to the Andrew McDonald level. You won't. You won't. You won't. See, that's a challenge. You won't. And do give it. us those five star reviews. When we need the five star reviews, they're good for us for some reason. Give them to us. Say our crops nice words. are dying. The only thing that can yes. save them is a lot of five-star reviews. <laughs> Please, our crops. I was going to say something else, but it's inappropriate. Uh, um, give us the five-star. All right. My name's Bill Matz. For Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show freaking rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.